listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Living Room North podcast. Hey, my name is Nick. I work on staff down at East Cobb Church in East Cobb. I work with the students down there, middle school and high school, and I know that they talked about it a bit already, but serving in middle school and high school is amazing. I really think you should at least reach out, consider, hear some more. I couldn't talk enough about that. It's amazing. You should really check it out. But before I dive in to what I wanted to share with you all, and I wanted to introduce myself a little bit since we don't know each other. First thing, in elementary school, and this will tell you a little bit about my competitive nature that I still remember this. Uh, I can still remember the emotion attached to this. In elementary school, I was in the spelling bee. It was in the third grade. Uh, yep, the third grade. And it was the first round. I don't know. I still feel like this is an unfair word for the first round, but they gave me the word leopard. Uh, and as an elementary school, leopard is a tough word. I mean, there's a tricky spelling in there. It's spelled like this. It's spelled L-E-O-P-A-R-D. Not like this which is what I thought it was when I was in third grade, L-E-P-P-A-R-D. But it sounds like that, right? I mean, you can't blame me in third grade. Uh, no, that, that's, that was a, a traumatizing moment for me in elementary school. It stuck with me to this day. Here I am sharing it with you. My competitive nature led me to play intramurals in college. Anybody like intramurals in the room? Yes. Yes, I loved intramurals. It was the best thing about college for me. Uh, I loved playing ultimate frisbee, dodgeball, softball, all of it. Uh, but there's one championship that I won that I'm the most proud of, and that championship is the Cornhole Championship at Georgia College. That's right, you're looking at the 2016 Georgia College Cornhole Champion right here. Uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Cornhole's a tough one to win. I'm, that's why I'm proud of it. Uh, anyways, that's a little bit about me, about who I am, about what I like to do. I'd love to dive in with you, if you don't mind, because we only have a few minutes tonight. But I wanted to talk to you about something that was super important to me during my time in college, and I hope that you'll find it to be important for you and it, that you'll find that it helps you in your time in college. I wanted to start by asking you a question, and it's this question right here. It's how do you become the person that you want to be? How do you become the person that you want to be, or maybe maybe say it like this: How do you how do you become, how do you stay the person that you want to be? Maybe you're like I am, pretty close to the person I want to be. I mean, there's still things that I need to achieve. I, I have goals and dreams and hopes that I want to reach, but for the most part, I am who I want to be. I I live the life that I want to live. Well, how do you stay that way? How do you stay the person that you want to be? You see, I think for a lot of us, we we get lost in this uh, this planning. Like we have a plan for what we want to do, who we want to be, the dreams, hopes, and goals that we have, but we never figure out how to get there. We don't know what steps to take to get there. Here's another way to say it instead of asking like a question. We know where we want to get, but we don't know how to get there. We have the goal. We have the dream. We have the hope for who it is that we want to be one day, especially in college. That, that was true for me. I think that you'd find it's true for yourself. Your college years are so foundational to forming who you want to be one day, but we don't know how to get there. And the thing that, uh, that I thought would help and I, I'm sure that some of you relate, I thought that the biggest factor for me in becoming the person that I wanted to be was less class. Like I thought that less class would give me the time to do the self-care and self-improvement work that I needed to become the person that I wanted to be. Anybody relate to that? Like less class, we'd just be better off in general. Yep, I see some hands. Uh, no, that jokes aside, jokes aside, this thing was so true for me in my life. And that's why when I sat down to write what I wanted to share with you tonight, I had so many ideas, right? I had so many ideas that I wanted to share, but this is the one that stuck out to me and stuck out as the most true to me. It's this right here, it's community. 
It's your community. It's who you keep around you. It's who is in your close proximity, who's in your inner circle when you're walking through your life, and especially when you're walking through your years in college. Who is in your community? Because I think that community, more than anything in college, has the potential to improve the, the uh, sorry, has the potential to improve the pace at which you head towards the person that you want to be. It improves your speed to, in the direction that you want to go. Your community has so much power to influence who you are and who you hope to become. To sum it up, your, your community has the power to accelerate you. Your community can accelerate you on the path that you want to go down. Your community can accelerate the speed at which you're traveling towards the destination that you want to end up at for your life. Your community can uh, accelerate you towards the person you hope to become, or your community can eliminate you, or eliminate your progress, not eliminate you, that'd be bad. If your community eliminated you, I, I think you need to start finding a new community. Your, community. your community can eliminate the progress that you hope to make towards the person you hope to become. Your community can even eliminate the progress you already have made. Like your community can come alongside you and eliminate the progress that you've made towards the person that you want to become. And so that's why I wanted to take just a few minutes to talk to you about the importance of that tonight. Some of you may feel like you've got an awesome community and that's great. I still think there's work to be done. Some of you may feel like you struggle to find community at all. You're like, I'm lonely. I don't know where to look for community. I've tried and it's hard and I hear you. Community can be a difficult thing to create and it can be a difficult thing to create that's good. But I want, to, I want you to lean into that a little bit. I want you to lean into that hard thing just a little bit. I want you to uh, not run away just because it's hard, but I want you to lean in. And I want you to, to think about this and stick with me during this talk. Think about your community with me just for a little bit. I'm introverted, so I know how it feels to be in the room as an introvert and be like, I don't want community. I want to stay home and watch Netflix. Um, that was me during college too. But... I found community eventually, and that's why I wanted to talk about that. Before I found community, when I was in college, I had just gotten to Georgia College in Milledgeville, Georgia. It's right in the middle of the state. Um, and I did not have a great community. I was looking for community, but then I decided to give up on it and just kind of chill in my dorm room and watch Netflix. And my life wasn't really headed in any direction. I was just floating into class and floating home and not really doing anything. But then I found a group of guys that really, really impacted my life and honestly is a large part of the reason that I'm here today talking to you guys uh, at a church. This group of guys I ended up living with for the rest of the three years. I lived with seven other guys, yep, seven of them, uh, in a house off of campus, but I lived with these guys for three years, and they are the reason that my college experience was so amazing. I loved college, and I loved all four years of college. I know that not everybody can say that, but I hope what I'm sharing tonight will help you be able to say something like that. You see, these guys... They walked with me every single day. They lived life with me every single day. They knew my goals, my hopes, my dreams for my own life, and they held me to those things. When I, when I set something for myself to reach, when I set a goal for myself to reach, they would hold me to that. When I told them something that I wanted to do more of, they would hold me to that. When I told them the goals that I had for my own life, they would hold me to that. And that was so, so helpful. They helped me stay on track towards the person that I wanted to become. And that's what I think community is best for. They hold you accountable to, to continue heading in the direction that you want to head in. And these guys were so great to me. They, they, they kept me on track for two years. And then in my junior year, I, uh, 
I had a tough semester to say the least. My family started going through some major changes. People were getting sick in my family. That had never happened before. I was experiencing some new things in my family. And then on top of that, uh, the girl that I was dating, we'd been dating for about a year, a little over a year. Uh, she broke up with me out of nowhere and then decided to date one of my best friends a month later. Yep, I hear the sighs in the room. That's how I felt, except I didn't just sigh. I literally laid in my bed and bawled my eyes out for days. Like I was like an emotional wreck. No, I don't want the awes. It was embarrassing, but it was an emotional wreck. I was like not in a good place. And in this moment, I started making some new friends. I made some new friends and found a new community. It's actually through intramurals. I loved intramurals, but I found some new friends through intramurals. I played ultimate Frisbee with them. And these guys were not the same as the guys that I was living with. These guys liked to go out uh, on the weekends. They liked to go out on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like to drink when they were out on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And so I started going out with them. I started hanging out with them when we went downtown. And uh, eventually I started drinking with them which is fine, I, that was no problem. But eventually, because the amount that they drank, I started to kind of match their pace and drink the amount that they drink, drank. Sorry, drink isn't a word, that they drank. Uh, and so I ended up drinking a lot, a lot more than I should have. And that continued for a few weeks. And I was in the middle of two communities, right? I was with this community that uh, was going out and drinking all the time, and I was really having fun with that. But then my community at home that I was living life with every day, uh, that just wasn't part of our lifestyle there. So I would go out and drink and have fun and party. And that was all awesome in the moment because I was ignoring all of the hurt that was happening elsewhere in my life. And that community of people, that's how they, they helped me heal that. Heal, I use lightly. There was no healing going on. I was patching a wound and not paying attention to it. And then eventually though, those lies, those secrets, those, uh, those hidden things that I was doing away from this community at home with the community I was living with, they came up. You can't hide something from somebody you live with for too long. And so uh, they started to pick up on some of the things that I was doing. And this community at home, my roommates called me out on it. And it was not a fun conversation at all. This, this crew at home had to sit me down and talk to me and, 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 and remind me of the hopes, dreams, and goals that I had set for myself and, and basically call out that I was ignoring all those things. See, as a result of what I was doing on the weekends, I was skipping more class. I was not going to the gym like I wanted to. I was not, uh, I, a big part of college for me was leading Young Life as a ministry I loved. I was part of Young Life there um, for four years. And when I was doing this stuff, I started to ignore Young Life. That was like one of my priorities before I found this community. So they reminded me of my hopes, goals, and dreams that I had set for myself. And more than that, they walked with me through that. You see, I think uh, this example right here, the two communities that I rolled with is a prime example of who we are as humans in general. Like humans in general were created for community. You guys were created for community. I was created for community. Ryan, who is up here hosting, He's created for community. Each and every one of us were created by God for community. And that's an important thing to know because whether you're intentional about who you're choosing to be in your community, who you're rolling with, who's your crew uh, or not, you will have a community. That's evident based on my time in college. I was very decisive and intentional with this community. I wanted to live life with them. But then when things got hard, I started rolling with a new community just because it was easy. Community is going to happen in your life, whether you're intentional with it or not. And so my challenge to you is be intentional with it. Think about who you have around you. Are they, are they spurring you on towards your goals? Are they furthering you in your progress that you hope to say, 
uh, is true about your life? Are they, hoping, are they furthering you along in your progress for life? Are they helping you say things about yourself that you hope to be able to say things about yourself? Is your community spurring you on or are they holding you back? It seemed like a lot, but there's, a, there's some good news. This is, there's actually some really helpful wisdom that we can find in the Bible about this. It's actually in a book of Proverbs, which is a book of just little pieces of wisdom. And this guy, uh, King Solomon, wrote this one proverb that I want to talk to you guys about tonight. And King Solomon was really, really wise. He has a ton of Proverbs to his name. One of the wisest guys in history. Uh, and he says this in Proverbs 13. He says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Maybe you've heard this before. It's pretty common, commonly known. Maybe you haven't, but the truth is pretty simple. Who you walk with is going to impact who you are. Who you spend your time with is going to impact who you are. Like, think about it for a second. The, the people that you hang out with the most you talk like them, I'm sure. You guys use the same types of language. You use, use the same phrases. Or if you don't talk the same way, you at least make the same jokes. I know that's true because inside jokes are a thing. Like you guys have jokes in your crew that no other crew knows. It's because who you walk with kind of influences and sways who you are. Who you walk with isn't just about jokes and sayings. They start to influence the way you think, the way that you act, the way that you behave, the way you think about yourself and others and hopes and dreams that you have for yourself. And so when you think about your community, I want you to think about this. Is the person that you have walking alongside you, are the people that are walking alongside you, someone that's going to call out the mess? Are the people walking alongside you, people that are gonna call out the mess in your life? Like for me, when I started to sway from the path that I wanted to be on and started to veer from the, the road that I was headed on towards where I wanted to be in life, my community at home, my, my, my roommates, they called out the mess. They weren't afraid to sit me down and call out the mess and have the hard conversation with me. They weren't afraid to ask the hard questions. You see, a lot of times in life, I think that we view our community as just acquaintances, as people that know facts about us. Like, oh yeah, he's got brown hair and green eyes. He likes baseball. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. I want to talk about a community that really knows you, not just the facts about you, but knows you. They know what you're struggling with. They know what you're really excelling at. They know what you want to be excelling at, but you're still struggling with. They know where you want to be in life. That's what I'm talking about with your community. I want, I want you guys to have people in your lives that are going to call out the mess in your lives. But not only call out the mess, I want you to have people in your lives that are going to bring out the best after they call out the mess. So what, what I'm talking about is people that are going to come alongside you and call out the mess, but then not leave. Not just, I mean, that's kind of harsh to be like, hey, you're really, you're really doing awful in this area. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about calling out the mess and then loving you enough to do that with grace and generosity and care and walk with you through that, to bring you out on the other side and bring out the best of you, to bring out the best that you have in you. That is what a true community will do. They'll call out your messes, but they'll also bring out what's best about you. Your community is going to accelerate you in that progress to where you want to get or eliminate any progress that you've made or hope to make. And that's what I want you guys to realize tonight. You may be thinking, like, I don't really think that the community matters that much. I, I mean, like, who I hang out with isn't going to impact me 10 years down the road. But I, I would push back against that a little bit because your community in large part determines the direction that you're headed in. Like the people you hang out with determines the things that you do, the choices you make, the things that you say or what you're watching and listening to. Who you hang out with determines the direction that you're walking in. And when I was in college, I heard our pastor Andy Stanley say something that stuck with me 
really, really just like really sticky phrase through college. It's what, it's what made community so important for me. What he had to share about community and about the direction in our lives stuck with me through college, and I wanted to share that with you today. He said this. He says, your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Your direction, where you're actually headed, is going to determine where you end up. Your direction, the way that you're walking, the, what, the things that you're doing, the choices you're making, the activities you're involved in, the habits that you're finding yourself in determine where you end up. They determine your destination, not your intentions. Like for instance, if you hope to get straight A's one semester, you can't just hope your way to straight A's, right? You can't sit down and hope really, really hard that you're gonna get all A's. No, you have to start studying and doing your homework on time and turning in assignments by the due date. You have to actually walk that direction to end up at the destination. And your community, I think more than anything, has influence on your direction. Your community has influence on the direction that you're headed in more than anything in life, I think. And so, so to sum up here, some of you may be thinking, that's great, Nick, like awesome, community is a good thing, but I like my friends and uh, that's great. Or maybe some of you are like, that's awesome, but I don't know how to make friends. I don't have community. I can't find this anywhere. In life, And I want, to, I want to say, just take a look around you in this room right here. Like this is community, like better than I could have found in college. This is special. The living room is a special, special thing for you while you're in college. These people, I want to be your community. And even beyond this room right here, when we break out into small groups, those circles of students, that's your community. Those are people that are going to ask you the questions no one else is asking. They're going to know the things about you that nobody else knows. They're going to be able to push you towards your goals, hopes, and dreams better than anybody else could. And if that's not already happening, I challenge you to start that tonight when we break out. I challenge you to start by diving in and focusing up for just 10 or 15 minutes in small group and getting real with each other. I promise you, from my own experience, it's going to push you further, faster in your hopes to, to becoming the person that you dream of becoming. Community was huge for me in college, and I know that it will be for you too. I hope that you dive into this, and I hope that you find that community here at, in small group at the living room. I'll be honest, I kind of wish I had heard Nick's talk uh, when I was in college because I probably wouldn't be sharing this part of my story with you right now if I had. But um, what I want to talk to you guys tonight about is the most pivotal moment that happened for me in college. And it was the moment, it was the morning actually, that um, I woke up next to a guy that I was kind of dating at the time and found myself on the other side of a decision that I said I would never make. How's that for an open for you guys? Um, so I wanna talk to you guys tonight a little bit about how I got there and what happened next. And here's why, because isn't it true that every circumstance that we find ourselves in, uh, there was a path that got us there and then we had to figure out what we're gonna do next. So how did I get there? Um, when I was growing up, I was handed uh, basically this decision-making grid, we'll call it. And it was that things are right or they are wrong, right or wrong. But my interpretation of that was <laughs> things are right or they're all the way over here wrong. And as you can see, there's a lot of space in the middle of those two things. And I considered that my play space. That was where um, a lot of things fell. That's where I could make some things fall if I got creative enough, if you guys know what I'm talking about. Um, 
so that's kind of, that's how I lived. I used up that whole space. And I really love to get really close over to wrong um, because why not? You know, as long as I don't cross it, it's fine. But then um, as I started to get a little bit older and a little bit more creative, um, I would occasionally dip over in, into the area of wrong. Um, and here's what I did. I convinced myself that uh, as long as no one physically got hurt, and as long as I didn't get caught by, you know, my parents or the police, um, then everything was fine, right? Uh, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Isn't it true that we know exactly what to say to ourselves to justify a decision that we want to make? I mean, we're all really great at this. We all do it. We are our, our own greatest salesmen. Um, so the problem with this, as you guys already know, I'm not going to surprise you with this, is that if we live this way, eventually we find ourselves on the other side of decisions that we wish we hadn't made because we're human. And guys, this is the exact place that I found myself in that morning. I was sitting in my shame, wondering what I should do next. So what did I do next? Well, guys, I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I didn't really do anything, but here's why. Because when I grew up, I was taught that God forgives you, um, but, you but you're never really the same. And maybe you guys can relate to that depending on the church that you grew up in or what your parents told you. Um, there was this illustration that um, <laughs> they told us growing up that I'm going to share with you for a minute. Go on a journey with me. It is absolutely terrible theology. So stick with me for a second and don't hold on to this. Um, they said, imagine that you have a barn in your yard and this barn is beautiful and it's great. It has a beautiful door. And every time you make a decision that is wrong or sin or whatever you want to call it, it's like you walk out to this barn door with a hammer and a nail and you hammer the nail into this barn door. And, and you do this over and over and over again, obviously. Until one day you decide, gosh, I don't, I don't think I want nails in my barn door anymore. So you go out and you go through the painstaking process of pulling all these nails out. They're on the ground around you. You stand up, you look at your barn door, and it's full of holes. It's trashed. It'll never be the same. So this is the picture that I was left with. And obviously, in this story, I am the barn door, right? So... Um, this is terrible. Obviously, there are some natural consequences to decisions that we make. That's life. That happens for everybody. But this image didn't really give me much hope to move forward growing up. And this is what I held to. And, and looking back, I can see how unbiblical this whole story and this whole illustration are. But the problem is that in moments of shame, we are vulnerable to believing lies about ourselves. And in my mind, the lie that I believed is that I was damaged goods, and damaged goods didn't deserve the best. I went from being whole and worthy to labeled and undeserving. This was my new life. According to everything that I knew, this was my new life. So I just kind of operated in this space. I had a few more relationships that went the same way until I finally realized that I was empty, and I was tired of this. I was tired of this repetition and this habit and this story that I was writing for myself. And so I had a heart-to-heart -heart with God. I changed my behaviors, but, but to be honest, I was still stuck. I was still stuck because I couldn't get past that stupid barn door image in my head. I couldn't get to the place where I felt whole and worthy again. 
until I heard an old story that I grew up hearing a new way, and it's the story of the prodigal son. And for anyone who's not familiar with that story, essentially, um, this kid takes his inheritance, goes away to live his best life, and he winds up feeling empty and alone. And all he wants to do is go home. And he doesn't feel worthy of going home. And the guy who was presenting this that night, um, he hit on the question of why is it that we don't feel worthy of going home? And here's why. It's because the world defines us by our choices. Sometimes the church defines us by our choices. Sometimes our friends define us by our choices. And if we're honest, sometimes when we're not in a good place, we define ourselves by our choices. We say, you drink, you're an alcoholic. You slept with him, you're a whore. But God says, Jesus says, we are not defined by our choices. We are worthy sons and daughters of God. He says, only I can define you. Only I can define you. He says, you are made worthy and whole. He said, stop, stop that behavior. Stop that behavior. You're better than that. I made you better than that. He says, can I get that, um, the worthy whole? It's like magic sometimes. <laughs> anyway, he says, get back up here where you belong. You are worthy and you are whole. Get back up here where you belong. Only I can define you. And so um, I sat in that moment and realized that um, this is where I belong. This was my story. And it wasn't all these lies that I had told myself. I wasn't defined by, by these choices that I had made. And, and in that moment, I decided I'm going to pick up that identity and I'm going to keep moving forward. It, it just changed everything for me. And I want to pause here for a second um, because maybe you're sitting here in the room and you can identify exactly with my story. Maybe yours is a little different, but maybe you have felt those feelings of being labeled and undeserving. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you with some words that Paul wrote in the book of Romans. Romans is a letter that he wrote um, a long time ago when they started putting the Bible together. They included this letter in the Bible. Um, and a little backstory on Paul. So Paul, um, loved Jesus, gave his life for Jesus. But bef before that, in the beginning part of his life, um, he, he went by Saul and he murdered and persecuted Jesus' followers. So it's so interesting to me, if, if anyone can relate to the, the feeling of being undeserving of God's love and forgiveness, it's Paul. Um, so I came across this verse and it was kind of the light breaking through moment for me. Um, and what I, love, what I love about it is, Paul writes this from his own personal experience. So when I read these words to you, I want you to know that this is from someone who absolutely felt undeserving a few times. So in, in Romans 5, 2, he says, we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. And I love the picture that this paints of God's love for us because our God is a God of redemption. He is a heavenly father who doesn't look at our choices and define us. He tells us what our identity really is. He creates beauty from ashes. He turns our shame into glory. For me personally, 
I am married to the most remarkable human being in the entire world. I, I really don't have words to put around what an incredible man he is. I have a four and a half year old son. Um, I have another one on the way. Um, and I have a job that I love, working at a church. And if you had told me that morning when I was sitting in that bed that that would be my future, I would have told you that you were crazy because I didn't deserve that. Regardless of your story, God will do the same thing for you because he is a God of redemption. You are not the sum of the choices that you have made. You are a son or a daughter of God. You are worthy and you are whole because he says that you are. And this is true whether you consider yourself a Jesus follower or not. So, I want you to get back up where you belong. I want you to see yourself as whole and worthy because that is what your heavenly father has said that you are. And don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. So, uh, one last thing. Um, if you would like to get to a place where maybe uh, you feel less in the places of um, undeserving and unworthy, um, we need to revisit that decision-making grid because there's a better question to ask than is this right or is this wrong? And that question is what story do I want to tell? What story do I want to tell? Uh, I can't take credit for this. This is Andy Stanley's quote, um, but I'm borrowing it because I wish that I'd asked myself this question more often when I was in college. The road to where I am would look a little bit different. There'd be some less detours, less natural consequences to some things that I decided to do. Um, and a lot less heartache, honestly. Um, and I love that this question, it doesn't guilt you into being good. I think a lot of us end up being guilted into good. Our parents do that. People all around us do that all the time. It makes you stop and think about the big picture of your life. It helps you think about other questions like, hey, what's, what's the wise thing to do in this moment? Um, and, and here's why this is important, because if we look back at that chart of right and wrong right here, there actually is a lot of gray space between right and wrong. And you guys are probably experiencing that, and it never, ever, ever goes away. And when you start asking some of those questions, it helps you pave the path to your preferred future. It helps you navigate this gray area a little bit better so you can make sure that you're writing a story that you want to tell. And the other thing that I love about this question is that it reminds us that life is a story that is still being written, which means for me and which means for you that regardless of what your story has been up until this point, regardless of what chapter you're in or what paragraph you are in the midst of writing tonight, your story, where you are now, is not the end of your story. And this is great news. That means that if you're carrying guilt and shame or you're really proud of where you are right now, regardless of where you are there, where you are is not the end of the story and there is still plenty of time to write a story that you're proud to tell. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. So I don't know most of you in the room. Um, I don't know your stories, but I do know that this is possible for you. I do know what it feels like to feel those feelings of being unworthy. And so I want to give you two takeaways to, to hopefully help with this as, as you navigate um, the next couple years and further. The first thing is this. Anytime, anytime you're facing a decision of any consequence, ask yourself the question, what story do I want to tell? What story do I want to tell? 
and again, I kind of stole this from, from Andy Stanley. Um, he actually wrote this book called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. Um, I really wish that I could buy every single person in this room a copy. My co-leader, Kate, and I bought it for our girls for Christmas um, because it is, it is a life-changing book. Um, what story do I want to tell and what's the wise thing or to do are two of five questions that he gives you to expand your decision-making grid even more. Um, I cannot encourage you enough to either get this book or watch the sermon series because the only thing that you will regret in doing it is that you didn't do it sooner. It is filled with um, just inspiring wisdom and practical tips. So I have one if anyone right here wants it. Here you go. <laughs> so number one, anytime you are making a decision of any consequence, ask yourself the question, what story do I wanna tell? And then number two, at some point over the next five to 10 years, <laughs> five to 10 months, five to 10 days, if you were anything like me in college, um, you are gonna find yourself sitting on the other side of a decision that you wish you hadn't made. Maybe it's one you said you never make. Maybe it's just something that you wish you hadn't done. Either way, you're gonna find yourself there. I still find myself there. If you ask your small group leaders, they'll tell you that they find themselves there as well. We are human and this is part of being human. So when that moment comes, I want you to have a healthy relationship with it. And this is what I mean by that. Number one, I want you to learn from what happened. That means stopping to ask yourself the question, how did I get here? And then the hardest part of this is to answer it honestly. Was it some friends that you've surrounded yourself with? Was it a habit that you thought you had control over? Was it just a series of unwise decisions? Or did you talk yourself into it? Answering this question honestly is something that you should do because you owe it to yourself to know how you got to that decision. And number two, use the circumstance as a catalyst for growth. And here's the deal. If you do number one really well, this is going to be super easy. And number three, don't let it define you. Because like I said, your heavenly father already has, and he's the only one who can define you. You are worthy sons and worthy daughters of the king. I love to pray for you. Heavenly father, thank you so much. Um, for who you are. Thank you for the loving God that you are. Thank you that you define us regardless of the decisions that we make, God, that you see us as whole and worthy, God, and that regardless of whether we consider ourselves Jesus followers or not, we can embrace that truth, God. I pray for wisdom over this group of college students as they navigate the next couple years of their lives. God, I pray that you would guide them. I pray that you would surround them with people who can lift them up and encourage them to write a story that they're proud to tell with their lives. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.